0: Welcome to the PEDS Doc Talk podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mona, where each week I hope to educate and inspire you in your journey through parenthood. With information on your most common concerns as a parent and interviews with fellow parents and experts in the field, my hope is you leave each week feeling more educated, confident, and empowered in the decisions you make for your child. Hello, I hope you're having a great start to your day. This week's episode is all about fussy babies, and I'm reserving this discussion more so for fussy babies in that newborn period, the first three months of life. And if you are not a parent already, the sound of your crying baby is one of the hardest things to hear. I am a pediatrician And in my office and in the newborn nursery, I hear crying all day. I get used to it in my office because it happens so much. But when it's your own baby, it's extremely difficult. It pierces straight through your heart. This episode, will discuss the term colic, infant gas, soothing mechanisms for your babies, and the psychological impact of taking care of a fussy baby. Because let me tell you, it is extremely difficult. I hope by the end of this episode, you get some insight into why babies fuss, why some degree of fuss is okay, and some strategies to help you get through this very difficult part of being a parent. And if you haven't already, make sure you listen to the caring for your newborn in the fourth trimester episode, because these two episodes will go hand in hand. So I don't really like the term colic. So I'm sure you guys have heard of colic. Colic, the definition basically is A baby under three months of age who cries for more than three hours a day for more than three days a week for three or more weeks and the reason why I don't like this label is that who is to decide what a normal amount of crying is for a baby every single baby has a different temperament which basically means a different nature right and some will cry more than others some will be extremely calm so it's really hard to say well is this normal Can't a baby just cry and it be okay? So that's why I don't like this label. Also, when you look at colic, there is no treatment per se for colic. It's almost a description of a symptom. So when that's the case, I really like to reassure parents that, hey, even if your baby is colicky, it is a phase and things that you'll hear in this episode can get you through this difficult phase. And I want you to kind of think about why a baby might be fussy and there may be no reason for it. So if you think about a baby, they're nice and cozy in a dark room room for months. They're evicted into the outside world. It's loud. It's hot. It's cold. There's lights. There's noises. They have to wear diapers. They have to feed at a bottle or breast. There's just a lot out here to get used to. And sometimes they're going to be fussy for no reason at all. And I want you to think of it like us as adults. Sometimes we too are in a mood for no apparent reason. And I really want to tell you that it's normal Your job as a new parent is to decide, why is my baby crying? Are they hungry? Do they have a dirty diaper? Do they want to be held? Do they want to be consoled? What is it that I can do to stop the fuss? But sometimes, as you will realize if you have not had a child or if you've already had one and gone through this, sometimes you just can't stop the crying and it can be very okay. So like I said, when I go through this episode, you're going to find out ways to soothe your baby, things to consider, and also reasons that I, as a pediatrician, would be worried about a child. Commonly, parents will report that the fussiness begins between about two weeks to about eight weeks old. You go through a honeymoon period, typically, where you get home from the hospital. The first two weeks, everything seems okay. The families will come into my office. They're like, I don't know what everyone's talking about. This is actually really easy. And I am so happy they feel that way. But I also say that, hey... Just in case baby does start to get fussy, I want to reassure you, here are the things to look out for. And lo and behold, it does happen. Now, not all babies have fussy episodes. Some babies will be crying, you'll know exactly why they're crying, but a large majority of babies will go through this sort of fussy, colicky type phase. Now, a lot of the reason why this happens is their little guts are developing and they're swallowing more air, which can make them a little bit more gassy. But that being said, there's a lot of colicky or fussy babies that are not gassy, which I'll get into some some scenarios and some reasons why that might be. So imagine the scenario. It's 2 a.m. The baby is crying and crying and crying. Baby's not hungry, doesn't have a dirty diaper. You've already rocked baby, and the baby just won't stop crying. So the parents, caretakers, are sleep-deprived, One parent is also usually crying also because they just can't settle the baby. That's usually the MO. And they pass the baby back and forth, back and forth, and nothing seems to work. Hour goes by, another hour goes by, and baby's still crying. And this is one of the common, common reasons we get phone calls into nursing lines in the middle of the night from new parents, that they can't console their newborn baby. And when I get to the end of this talk, I'll talk about the reasons to call for medical reasons. But I just want to reassure you that this does happen and it is something that you will get through because we all have gone through it. With Ryan, Ryan's temperament is amazing. I have to say we did some strategies that I think really did help also to kind of deal with the fuss. But yeah, we went through this too, where he would just start crying and crying. I think it started for us around the the four week mark, we spent about two weeks in the hospital for those of you who are following me, follow me on Instagram. But we started to see this around three to four weeks where he would just get fussy and three in the morning, no reason at all. He wasn't hungry. He wasn't taking the bottle. He was already consoled. My husband would walk him around the room and he would just still cry. And then finally, after putting a pacifier and just rocking him and finally just letting him settle himself, he finally went to sleep. One of the hardest things about dealing with a fussy baby is the worry it gives the parent. And you are already sleep deprived. You want to do everything right for your baby, but sometimes not doing too much is better. So it can be this obsession with stopping crying that causes them to fuss more. And so it's important to find what soothing mechanism work best for your child and implement them, but to not overdo it. One of the hardest things about the first few months is getting to know your baby, which is why I wanted you to listen to the other episode, Caring for Your Newborn in the Fourth Trimester, because when you start to understand your baby's temperament, you're going to understand what works for your baby because it's not a one-size-fits-all approach, and I need you to remember that because your friend could say, well, yeah, why don't you bounce on a yoga ball with baby? Why don't you put the pacifier? But it may not always work with your baby. Like, for example, Ryan didn't like white noise so when Ryan when we had the white noise machine he really didn't settle with it he settled with the pacifier he settled with swaddling so you're gonna have to find out well what works best for your baby and I don't believe that everything works the same for every baby many parents will describe that their baby who's fussy is also gassy but like I said earlier not all fussy babies are gassy there's just babies who are fussy and parents do not report any gas I do, however, want to go through newborn gas in case you're finding your baby is dealing with this. So gas, basically symptoms that a baby might be gassy. Obviously, you're going to hear the the gas be passed. Uh, they, They may cry while passing the gas. They may arch their back, turn red in the face. They may make a lot of grimaces when they're trying to pass that gas. Two main reasons why a baby becomes gassy. Think of it this way, swallowing air and an immature digestive system. So swallowing air a lot of crying happens throughout the day and when you cry you open your mouth and you swallow air so the more baby cries the more gassy they can get and it leads to that vicious cycle that they're gassy they cry and then they cry and then they get more gassy because they swallow air going down to their, their digestive system and making them gassy The other reason why you swallow air is an improper latch or a tongue tie. So if your baby is a breastfeeding baby, you have a painful latch, you would want to make sure that your pediatrician checks to make sure that the baby's not tongue tied because a tongue tie or an improper latch can affect the ability to feed well and can also cause the baby to swallow more air. So it's important to assess that as well. The other reason, like I mentioned, that a baby may become gassy is an immature digestive system. So every day, just like they're developing in every other way, they're doing milestones and whatnot, their gut is also developing. So every day you're gonna see new bacteria and enzymes that are evolving. And the example that I give, just to kind of give you a scenario, is that Ryan? Ryan is a hundred percent formula-fed, pretty much from birth. We did a little bit of expressed breast milk, but uh, if you follow me on my Instagram, we unfortunately had birth trauma, and I wasn't able to continue breastfeeding. So we continue. We did formula. And even though I have always given him formula and I'm not mixing breast milk, I'm not eating certain foods, doesn't really matter because I'm giving him formula, even though it's only formula, his poops will change day by day and he'll be more gassy day by day. And it really has to do with the fact that the gut is developing every single moment. So to blame food and to blame other things is not always the answer when a baby's fussy because their digestive system is always changing. So a lot of parents will say, you know, well, oh my gosh, baby's so gassy and it's so bothersome. And I really want to give you this perspective. Gas is a very normal part of being a human and especially a baby. So just like everything else, like I said, is developing, their gut is also developing and they will be gassy. But the gas also gets better. And more importantly, they get better at handling the gas. So... They will always be gassy. Yes, it's it can be worse in the first trimester or the fourth trimester, but you're going to start to see that they won't grimace as much with the with the passing of gas. They're not going to grimace as much when they pass poop. They're going to make a lot of faces. Babies make a ton of faces, grunting sounds, unf, 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 and you're going to jump at every sound. My advice is that take a moment Before you jump or intervene, give them a moment to let it out on their own. If they're still squirming after one or two minutes, you know, at your discretion, you decide how long is too long, but give them that moment. If they're still squirming, then pick them up and help them with the methods I'll go over. But allow them that one or two minutes to pass it on on their own. Why? This sensation is new to them. This sensation is something like they've never experienced, right? They're a baby. They've never had to pass gas. They've never had to pass poop um, out into the outside world. But if you allow them that moment, this is something they're going to have to do the rest of their life. So take that moment because it really helps that you're not overly like, ah, I need to stop this gas. I need to help you poop. Give them a moment. If they can't do it on their own, you're there for them. You guys are going to find that this is my motto in parenting, allowing a moment before you respond. So changing those reactions to responses, right? Reaction comes from a place of fear. You're like, oh my God, I got to do something. Whereas responding is a more calm, cool, collected response to a baby, right? So this concept is huge and it begins in this period when they're squirming. I speak more about this sort of pause method uh, in my caring for your baby in the fourth trimester episode. So make sure you listen to that. Now, now that you know why we get gassy or why babies get gassy, the crying, the swallowing air, the immature digestive system, I want to talk about some reasons and things you may have heard on the internet or mommy groups about what we can do to help the gas. And, you know, I I do hear people say, well, this causes the baby's gas, but I'm going to kind of hash all this out for you. So the first thing people say is remove certain foods. And I I actually am on a mommy group and I think I need to leave because all the medical advice given on these mommy groups are false many times. So it drives me crazy. But one common thing that you'll hear is that you have to go on this elimination diet. If your baby's gassy and you're breastfeeding, you can't eat certain food. And that may be true for certain things, but I would not eliminate food until you talk to your child's pediatrician. I'm going to be speaking separately about milk protein allergy because that's the only thing that 100% mothers need to remove from their diet if they're if we're concerned about that. But colic alone is not milk protein allergy. So please do not eliminate things from your diet before speaking to a doctor, okay? Why we want you to speak to your child's pediatrician before you make any changes is that we want to hear the symptoms. We want to know, well, why is this happening before you start making changes and then we're having to play catch up with what you what you've already done so just run it by them see what they say typically how I advise food elimination is that if you are eating food and it is making you gassy and every time you eat that food you notice that baby toots and farts so much then consider eliminating but you have to see a strict correlation with that every time you eat eggs the baby's farting a lot every single time Every single time that you eat broccoli, the baby is having issues with gas, then you eliminate broccoli. What I don't want is if you're breastfeeding, I don't want you to eliminate so much food that you're not eating anything because you're breastfeeding and you need to eat. You need to stay hydrated to produce your breast milk. So I have seen mothers get to the point where they're literally only eating celery sticks or they're only eating one food because they are so scared of their baby being gassy. And guess what? The baby's still gassy. Because like I said, Many times, it's them, it's not you. They're swallowing air and they have an immature digestive system. So please, please, please remember to talk to your child's pediatrician before you eliminate any food and also remember that a fussy baby is not your fault because sometimes you feel that, right? You're a new mom, new dad, you really want to take care of your baby. You want them to be happy and smiley, but it is okay if your baby is not happy and smiley all the time. It's okay if your toddler is not happy and, to- and smiling all, t- all the time. There's a huge misconception that we have to have happy children all the time and it drives me nuts because babies and kids, it's okay if they're upset sometimes, okay? explains. Now, another thing that I get asked is formulas. Now, if you are formula feeding, there's tons of formulas on the market. On my Instagram, I have a post about formulas kind of hashing out the differences. But if your baby is more gassy, there are partially hydrolyzed formulas. This includes Enfimil Gentiles. HIP is a popular formula in Europe. Uh, Gerber carries it. Similac carries uh, partially hydrolyzed formulas. These formulas are where the proteins are broken down a bit, making it easy to digest. So this is an option if you want to use it, but again, speak to your pediatrician before making any dietary changes, formula changes, so that they can be involved in that decision making. Another common thing I get asked is about probiotics. So as a heads up, probiotics are not regulated by the FDA in the United States. So the Food and Drug Administration, when probiotics are on the market, meaning your over-the-counter drops, right, the ones that you go to the drugstore and pick up, they're actually not regulated. So you're taking it at your at your own risk, meaning you're trusting the manufacturer when they say that it's effective and safe. That being said, it doesn't mean that you can't use it, but that's why I want you to remember that it's not tested for safety or efficacy. That being said, probiotics in formula are regulated by the FDA in the United States. So formula companies, because it's a food per se or nutrition, they are required to submit testing for their claims. So there has been some research that probiotics can be beneficial in formula. They tested lactobacillus lactobacillus Uh, root rye, which is a type of formula, or sorry, I apologize, a type of uh, probiotic. So when they have tested that, they looked that it could actually reduce the crying time in colic. So it is something to consider. We actually use Gerber Soothe. It's a type of formula. I I am on the probiotic bandwagon. I think there is some research that needs to be done, however. But again, you have to talk to your child's pediatrician. We just made the decision for Ryan that, hey, I like the Gerber Soothe. It has the probiotics in it. Let's try it. And he's tolerating it really well. Now, he's not that gassy of a baby. But again, is it just my perception? I don't have another baby, so I wouldn't know the comparison, but it is something to consider. And if you are considering adding probiotics, whether it's via formula or whether it's via a supplement, talk to your pediatrician. Now, the other question, should I get gas drops? And there are tons of gas drops or homeopathic remedies for gas, myelocon, simethicone, gripe water. I am not opposed to them, but I truly believe that they're more of a placebo effect your baby's crying. Nothing's working. You give them the drop and it makes them feel better. It makes you feel better. Right. And when I get into the psych- psychology of taking care of a fussy fussy baby at the end of this talk, I'm going to talk about that sort of feedback mechanism that happens that if you're, cry- if you're crying and upset because your baby's crying and upset, it's a vicious cycle. And sometimes giving the drop makes you feel more calm and baby can get more calm. So it's okay to try But truly, again, there's no research studies that show that they're effective. So try it. If it doesn't work, stop using them. Okay. The other things you want to consider is if you are bottle feeding, what bottle you're using and what type of nipple you're using. So for Ryan, we went through two different types of bottles. There are so many bottles on the market. I was between Dr. Brown's MAM and Komotomo. We tried MAM and I liked it initially. He was doing well and he just kept... He just wasn't doing well with the nipple, and it was just not working out for us. So I switched to Komotomo, which for us has worked well. Now that being said, I don't think it's a one size fits all approach. So you have to kind of see maybe getting one bottle of each company and figuring out what what works best for your baby. But it is important to try different bottles if you find that one of them's not working and your baby's a little more gassy. The best way to position the bottle also is that you want to position it so that the milk is kind of tilting down into the bottle so that there's less air bubbles so if you're seeing a lot of air bubbles in that milk then that's going to just go down into baby's gut that includes shaking the bottle right like if you're formula feeding and you're shaking it and there's all those bubbles let it settle before you give it to give it to the baby also having them elevated a little bit where their head is above their stomach so that again it flows down nicer can help a lot with this gas In terms of your breastfeeding, if you are breastfeeding, like I said earlier, it's important to have a good latch. And if you don't feel like you have a good latch, I really encourage you to bring it up with your lactation consultant, bring it up with your pediatrician to just confirm that there's no tongue tie. So tongue tie, if your baby's tongue tie, then they may have an issue with latch. And if they're not properly latching, they can swallow more air and that can lead to more gas. So something to something to consider. When feeding, take breaks and burp if you can. So some babies are just better burpers than others. Like parents will come in and be like, I can't get that burp out of my baby. That being said, burping a baby requires some degree of force. Now, please don't go crazy and cause injury. But you're not just doing a slight tap. You're actually giving a, if you can hear giving like a pretty good thump to their back. Obviously, again, not enough to cause any harm, please. But you have to try different strategies in getting that burp out. So some babies like it over the shoulder, right? You put them over your shoulder. Some like where you lean them forward. So try different kind of methods of getting the gas out. But if after one to two minutes the gas the burp isn't coming and they're just still gassy give it a break go back to feeding and try again don't fixate or worry that you can't get that gas out with the burp but try again later and take a break like I said so if you you know if your baby feeds for 20 minutes maybe halfway through take a take a break if your baby feeds four ounces halfway through two ounces take a break burp them sit them upright and try again it can really help Ryan is a very good burper and Sometimes though, he didn't get the burp out. Like I'd just be sitting there doing the methods that I normally do. And he's just kind of fidgeting. He's getting cranky because he can't get that burp out. I sit him up. I just, I wait for it and it happens. So be patient with your children, right? Especially from the newborn phase. Any parent can tell you parenting 101 is having patience and it begins now. Don't try to rush them. Don't panic if they're not getting that, that gas out. Just take a moment. Another thing that can help with gas is baby massages. We do baby massage every night. But if your baby is seeming to be a little more gassy at the moment, massaging their belly in like a circle around their belly button, also moving their legs up and down, this can be very helpful. But that being said, if your baby is in the middle of a cry episode, please check yourself before you start doing this, doing this right? Because if you're stressed and like, oh my gosh, I just want to help him and stop him crying. And if you're trying to fidget and like, work with the leg movements and circle around the belly, it's not going to be a very nice experience for you. It's not going to be a very nice experience for the baby and it's going to cause the baby to cry more. So I really need you to check yourself before you intervene in any way to get that gas out. Okay. But yeah, baby massage, moving, bicycling the legs, all that can help. Another thing that parents have asked me about was the windy. It's this, uh, I think by Frida, the company, I, I haven't used it. I looked at it and it's basically like this little tube that you put in the butt and it helps alleviate the gas. Personally, I don't know the safety of it. I would want to make sure that you 100% know how to use it, but I don't think it's everyone needs to get it. Some mothers swear by it, but just personally, I don't know much about it and I haven't used it, so I can't say that it's 100% awesome and okay, but talk to your doctor again. Talk to some friends. My advice is if you use it, make sure you use it correctly, Okay. And another strategy to help with the gas is holding them holding them down, so belly down. Remember that if you're holding them, make sure you have a firm hold on them. And tummy time, right? So sometimes when you lay the baby on their belly, oh, it's so nice for the gas. That being said, they can't fall asleep like that, right? Because that's not safe sleep. So you have to be awake and watching them. So if you're going to be going to sleep, if baby's about to go to sleep, I would turn them back over. But I find that that positioning can help a lot being turned over on their belly. So now, when am I worried about a fussy baby? So this is, this is important to know because when you're in that moment at two in the morning and panic is setting up on you, you need to know, well, when do I need to worry? Do I need to call my doctor? So the first thing is if your baby's fussy, Think about if they've been making wet diapers throughout the day, right? So if, you, if you're if you like, okay, did they make wet diapers? Yeah, baby made like five wet diapers. Awesome. I would want at least three to four wet diapers in a 24-hour period. So if they're not making wet diapers, then they could be hungry. And if they're not feeding enough, we'd want to have them checked out. But if they've been gaining weight at your doctor's visits and they're making wet diapers, this is number one reassuring thing for a fussy baby. The second thing is you want to assess is the fussiness due to fever. And I don't need you to frantically check temperatures all day, every day when your baby cries, but you'll know. They'll be very fussy, very warm to you. You check the back of their neck. And if they're feeling warm to you, check a rectal temperature. And again, it has to be rectal because forehead, ear is just not accurate in a baby under three months. So you put a little Vaseline at the tip, you put it in the rectum, and you see if it's over 100.4, so 100.4. If there is a fever, Obviously, get them undressed like you did. Cool them. See, you know, just let them be exposed to air. Try again. If it's still over 100.4 after five minutes, I would encourage you to call your pediatrician if your baby's under two months old. It is really important that we assess that because that is one thing that if a baby's fussy and has a fever, they need to get seen. Another reason that they need to get seen is if they're just fussy all day. And one of the things that it could be is a hair tourniquet. So hair tourniquets are basically a strand of your hair or whoever's hair gets trapped and circle and circled around their toe or finger. It sounds crazy, but it happens. So if you remember and your doctor, I think, would be would be like, wow, how'd you know this? Check the fingers and you can go in and be like, you know, I checked the fingers. There was no hair tourniquet, but the baby's still fussy. But check that because that could be a reason. And that's something that you need to get removed, obviously, because it's causing the baby to be upset always crying is not okay, right? If a baby, you should be able to have a baby who has episodes of happiness and being able to sleep. But if you are seeing in a 24-hour period, there is no, absolutely no episode of calm, talk to your doctor. Now, please remember though, that when your baby's crying, it feels like an eternity. So I have parents come in and they're like, oh my gosh, doctor, every, this, my baby cries all the time and all the time. And I don't get any peace. And while they're saying that the baby's sleeping in the exam room and I get it that when you're going through a stressful experience, you're going to think that it feels like an eternity, but you got to see that, hey, my baby is having episodes of calm. My baby is going to sleep. And if they're not super, super, super upset all day, please see your pediatrician. Another reason is if there's significant spit up, right? So if there's significant spit up, there's poor waking, that's reflux and reflux and colic we would want to know about because we have to manage that, right? There's medical things that we can do. Uh, elimination diets, changing formulas, things like this, medicine. The other reason we'd want to know is blood in the poop. So if your baby has blood in the poops, spitting up, not gaining weight, fussy, that's not just a fussy baby. There's something else we need to examine. I really encourage you that if you are dealing with a fussy baby and you just feel at a loss, Make a visit with your pediatrician. What they'll probably do, and this is what I do, I can't speak for every pediatrician, they'll check baby's weight. They'll see how is that trending. If that's good, awesome, that's great. That's the number one thing I wanna see in a fussy baby. Are they making wet diapers? They'll ask about all the questions I did. You know, is there any fever, check a temperature. But if all that is good, it can give you the reassurance that I am doing everything right. And you can go back to this talk and hear all the strategies I have to get you through the next few weeks of fussiness. Most patients come into my office for this at six weeks old. It's the worst that I think I see. And so I know when I see a six-week-old on my schedule for a sick visit, I actually can guess why they're coming in because I see this commonly. Now, if you're a new parent, I don't want you to fear the fuss. I don't want you to fear that this is going to happen and I'm so worried. It's not something to worry about. And like I said, the less you worry about and the more you embrace it as like, okay, this is a phase. If it happens, we're going to get through with it. It is so much better. It's this constant obsession with I need to stop this oh my god oh my gosh the colic the baby's crying it it just doesn't help anyone so accept it say okay it sucks I know what I'm gonna look out for fever not making wet diapers da 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 and run with it and just be reassured that it does get better okay so now I want to talk about how do you calm a fussy baby so it's a little checklist on what I want you to go through when you're having an episode of a fussy baby first thing first pause right? Take a moment. Like I said, they make a lot of faces, a lot of grunting sounds, a lot of sounds. Give them a moment. You are not going anywhere. Remember that you are their parent. You are there to take care of them, but you have to just give them a moment. And like I said, that moment is up to you. One minute, two minutes, 30 seconds, but give them that moment to see if they'll soothe on their own. If they don't, you're gonna jump right into help, okay? I talk about this in the Caring for Your Newborn in the Fourth Trimester episode because it really, really does help. If you jump right away, you're stressed, they're stressed, it doesn't help, but that calm reaction to your baby helps everyone in the long run. The next thing you want to do when you finally do attend to your baby if they keep crying, go through your checklist, right? But remember to check yourself first. If you're getting nervous, if you're getting upset, if you're tired, if you're hungry, it's going to be harder to take care of a crying infant. So if your baby's crying, maybe in that one to two minutes that you're, you know, allowing them to self-soothe a little bit, go get a glass of water, go get something to eat. If it's, if you're tired, you know, if you're thirsty or hungry, but take a moment for yourself before you respond to that crying infant. When you get to them, are they hungry? Right? Remember that not all crying is hunger. Please remember this because I have so many moms come in saying, okay, they were crying. I I put them on the boob. I put them in a bottle and they just won't take it. It's not always hunger right? And you'll hear this, right? Grandma will come over and say, okay, they're hungry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You have to feed them, feed them. Why aren't you feeding them? They're hungry. They're hungry. Guys, no, it's not always hunger. And it's this obsession with stopping the crying and putting them on the, on the breast and putting them on the bottle that it, it, it doesn't always work. So first and foremost, their need is that, are they hungry? If they take the bottle or take the breast, they're hungry. If they keep fighting you, give it a moment. You can try again later, but they may not be hungry. The next thing you want to do is that do they have a dirty diaper, right? Because a dirty diaper can make them uncomfortable. So if they do have a dirty diaper, you change them. As a, as a heads up, if a baby is not crying, you technically do not have to change their diaper. And parents, some parents are like, what? But think about it this way, right? Like if your baby falls asleep... Diapers are very absorbent. If, they're fall- if they've if they fallen asleep and they're not bothered by it, you don't have to wake them up to change the diaper. What I would recommend, though, is that you put diaper cream on their bum so that it doesn't get irritated. But if they're not bothered by it, you should not be bothered by it. Another parenting tip that I will always say. It re- it's really important to do that, right? You're not a bad parent if you don't change the diaper. If they're bothered by it and they wake up, absolutely right but it's okay and as you go as the baby gets older you're going to see that they're not going to have as many frequent diapers but just a little heads up initially in the newborn phase you're going to be changing a lot of diapers but as you get to two to three months again diapers are super they're they're meant to be super super absorbent if you've watched like pampers commercial they advertise it as like super absorbent well baby will stay you know stay stay dry or stay comfortable throughout the whole night and yeah They're probably having urine and poop, but it's not bothering them. But of course, if they're upset by it, please change it, okay? The other thing that you want to see is... Do they just want some love and some cuddling? And remember, those are your three things that you're looking for. When you, If you boil it down, there's like three basic needs, right? Are they hungry? Are they just irritated by something? You know, dirty diaper, whatever it may be. You're looking, making sure they're okay. Or do they just want to be held? And obviously that's important to know because sometimes they do. Sometimes they want to be cuddled. And remember, you are not spoiling your baby by cuddling them in that newborn period because they like that bond. It's important for them to feel that when I cry, someone is coming to me in that, you know, in that first, the first three months of life that, ah, okay, mommy's here, daddy's here. But when I get through the other tips, sometimes you'll do all that, right? You'll feed them, you'll change their diaper and you'll rock them or hold them or do whatever cuddly thing you want. And sometimes they'll still cry. So when that happens, you want to choose three soothing mechanisms, okay? And don't cycle, like crazy through all of this. Just choose a few, and it could be all of them, but choose a few and decide what works best for you and your baby. And remember, you also need to be calm when you go through these methods, right? If you're frantically, okay, I got I got to rock. I got to I got to put the pacifier. Just take it step by step and do what you can for your baby. So some things that can help, swaddling. I found that swaddling was very helpful for Ryan. I have many patients in my office that do not need to be swaddled. So you have to kind of see what you can do is buy a swaddle and make sure you use it safely. Like don't make make sure it's not by the by the nose or the mouth, obviously for suffocation risk, uh, but use it. If baby seems to be still fidgety in it, you know, flailing their arms out of it, then you can stop using it. But swaddling has been shown that it can help feel, help them feel more cozy in that fourth trimester. So try it. I have seen, though, that some parents just say, it's not working. I've tried different swaddles. I've tried the ones that, you know, zip up. I've tried this and that. And so in the end, it's okay to not use it, but something to consider. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Hey, are you loving the show? You're halfway through, so I hope that you are. This is a reminder that if you love the show, appreciate our guests, and want to continue to hear amazing conversations, to leave those reviews and ratings. Reviews and ratings are how a podcast continues to grow and reach more people. And the more people we reach, the bigger we can get and the more amazing free content we can provide for you. Yes, you may hear some ads like this one, but my goal is to be able to provide free and accessible health development and parenting content to you via the show. Leave a review and rating and update reviews after you hear a powerful episode. Thank you for tuning in. The other thing that can help is rocking. So bouncing on a yoga ball, standing, which my husband did. He would stand and walk Ryan around like basically, you know, with the motion. That can help as well. Babies like to feel rocked. And just, you know, all this kind of goes back to the womb, right? They, in the womb, they were tight. So the swaddle, they were bouncing around, meaning when mom was walking around, they would bounce too. So they like to be rocked. So it kind of goes back to mimicking the womb. That being said, some babies don't need any of it. So you kind of have to see what works best for your baby. Other things, white noise, similar to being in the womb. They like that sort of that, that "hmm" sound, right? Like a washing machine. So, white noise machines are great if you want to consider it again, not a necessity. Babies cries are thought to be around 80 decibels and you know like a shower running is about 65 decibels, so you want to kind of find something in that range. There is, you know, there is research that it is okay for them to be listening to these white noise machines that's not, you know, hurting their hearing. You don't obviously want it to go too high, but definitely something to consider, but not necessary. We tried white noise with Ryan when he was fussy. Sometimes he did fine with it. We you know we, we obviously did the adjustments. Sometimes it just didn't do anything. So we ditched it. And I'll tell you at the end what, what we used for Ryan. Again, every baby's different. Other thing that can help when they're fussy is a pacifier. When you use a pacifier, some babies take to it well, some don't. But what you want to do is you want to introduce it it's okay if you wait if it's okay if you want to wait but it's okay to introduce it early too you don't have to wait till breastfeeding's established you know you can talk to your pediatrician uh, you know if you if you're concerned about your latch but it's okay to do it early What you want to do is try different types of pacifiers if your baby's not taking one and you also want to try in different times of the day you also want to make sure that you're not doing it when baby's overly crying so upset. That you can't get it in, right? You wanna just make sure they're kinda calm, fussing a little bit. But if they're wailing, it's just, it's not the time to try it. But try it, don't give up. Pacifiers can be very helpful to you. It can help them, it can help a lot with self soothing skills for baby to have that um, for sleeping. So it's something to try. And also, it can help reduce the incidence of SIDS. So something to consider. If baby does not take it, I don't want you to panic, but it's something to try. As much as you can. Another thing that I find is during the day, if you you know obviously in the middle of the night this might be hard to do but during the day changing your scenery so just say baby's fussing and you've been in the living room all day and I can speak from personal experience that's where we're kind of camped out throughout the day and if you know he's your baby's fussing changing the scenery if you're staring at baby all day and baby's staring at you maybe go walk outside walk to another room go by the go by the window you know go down the hall whatever it may be so that you can change the scenery i did this a lot with ryan and it really helps i i joke with my husband that i think we got tired of staring at each other all day you know I obviously love him and he loves me but you just kind of get exhausted with the monotony of having a baby right you wake up feed wake up feed play da 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 so sometimes changing the scene can really help so I really really encourage you guys to change the scenery if you're finding that you know during the day you're having a fussy episode middle of the night you can do that as well Obviously, if it's safe and you're able to, you know, obviously go in the living room or whatever it may be, maybe not go outside. Some parents will take their baby for a drive. I... I personally don't want you to get into that habit because that can be very time consuming and that can also be very exhausting. And if weather's not so great, driving in the snow, I don't want you to deal with that at two in the morning. So really try not to get, I would say, try not to do that. And also it's not safe for baby to fall asleep in the car seat, right? Like obviously for a short drive, it's fine, but I don't want them to get used to that. So I would advise not to do drives if you, if you, you know, are thinking of doing that. The other thing, colic or an overtired baby can also just be that they're just so so exhausted from the day right so people will say oh my baby's so fussy but are they just so tired that they can't calm themselves down right we talk a lot about this that there's that that perfect window to get baby to go to sleep and I speak about that in the caring for your newborn episode but if they're kind of starting to show signs of yawning you know their eyes are dazed awesome that shows that maybe they're ready for sleep if they're so exhausted and wailing they could be the they could be past the point of being able to kind of self-soothe and be consolable because they're so overtired. So watch for that. Okay. Listen to that episode. Look for sleepy cues because it can really help you in establishing that sort of, okay, you're, you're tired. You're showing me some signs of dazed eyes and, and yawns. Let me put you down. Now, like I said, do you need to use all of this? Is there some sort of order that you need to do all of this? Not necessarily. So I take care of tons of babies. And in my opinion, every child is different. And you you need to find what, what, what works best for you, right? So in my office, I have parents who use none of this. They literally just put the baby and they're fine because the temperament's different. Some babies need maybe one or two of these things. So I don't believe that there's a recipe for everyone. Now, that being said, some babies will need all of it. And I want you to try doing all of that. But... For example, our son, really from all the things that I mentioned, it was swaddling, a pacifier and rocking. He didn't really need the white noise machine, right? We would change sceneries a little bit. So as he, as Ryan got older, we were able to phase out the rocking so much and he would be able to kind of calm on his own with maybe like less time of rocking. And the swaddle we were able to get him out of the swaddle eventually. He's now three months old. So you gotta you gotta see well what works best for your baby. The swaddle, like I said, if the baby has an exaggerated more where they're flailing their arms, it can really, really help to kind of calm that down. But find out what works best for you and what works best for your baby in terms of calming them when they're fussy. But always remember the following. Go through your checklist. Check yourself first. Make sure you're calm to handle this. Pause one to two minutes, whatever you're comfortable with. Okay, but do pause. Assess their basic needs, hunger, diaper change, bothered by something do they want to be you know consoled held things like that loved you know and obviously if they're not making wet diapers or if they're having a fever medically they should be seen right check the fingers and toes for hair tourniquets you'll look like a rock star to your pediatrician but check those things sometimes you can do all of that and babies can still fuss which can lead to a lot of anxiety and depression in parents and I cannot tell you how hard that is to see in my office. I'll have mothers come in and they'll be just in tears with their crying baby. So I love talking about fussy babies and I love talking about colic, whatever you want to talk, uh, call it, because it is so important to understand that it is difficult. It's okay to be upset by it, but it's something that does get better. And if you're finding that, oh my gosh, this is so overwhelming, taking care of this baby that I can't consult, please speak to your pediatrician, right? To make sure it's not anything medical we need to do. And I call a lot of this, the psychology of caring for a fussy baby. There is a psychological impact and you cannot deny that. So if anyone says that, oh, everyone goes through it. It's okay. Just suck it up. No. Like if your baby is fussy and you are perceiving that to be an extremely fussy baby, it can be extremely hard because as a mother, I'm going to speak about a mother because I am one, as a mother, we want to have our babies feel loved and consoled. And when your hormones are raging and you're sleep deprived and you can't console your baby, the first thing that we think, and I'm going to, I'm going to attest to that is how come I can't console my child? Why can I not console them? I'm their mother. I should be able to console this baby. But I want you to remember that it's not your fault. It's nothing bad. You are doing everything right. Go through your checklist, go through all this. But sometimes they cry. And like I said, I see a strong correlation between fussy babies and postpartum depression. And it's the chicken or the egg debate. And I'm going to explain it like this. Does postpartum depression cause the baby to be fussy? What I mean by that is mom's sad, the hormones, whatnot, and baby senses that energy. And so baby gets sad. Baby starts to cry. And I want you to really think about this. And again, there's no blame. There's nothing like this because it is something we really need to talk more about because it has a huge impact on children. And newborns obviously so is it that the depression is there the sadness is there and baby's more fussy or is it that the fussy baby is causing mother to go through depression it's that sort of understanding you know understanding that a it could actually be a cycle is you know mommy's mommy's feeling sad baby feels sad starts crying that makes mommy feel sad in return or you know the other way around And I really want to express this because I think parent mothers forget about this sort of cycle and feedback mechanism that can happen. You know, one thing that I really do a lot with Ryan, and I'll speak a lot about this is, you know, I went through birth trauma. It was very difficult, but I really tried to bring a lot of positivity to, you know, my family, my husband and my, and my son. And it just comes from a place of optimism. I am a very glass half full type person. And because I'm glass half full, I wake up every morning and I give Ryan a smile, even if he's crying. I wake up and I look at him with intent and I look at him with a smile. Even when I'm sad I, I or tired, I still look at him with a smile. There's going to be moments where I wasn't, right? I'm tired, I'm exhausted, but I try my hardest to kind of give him that sort of attention, especially as he start to open his eyes more, right? And look at me more. And it really helps. So why does it help to just smile at your baby or sing to your baby? Because when you smile at them and you sing to them or you talk to them, it can help your emotions, right? So I really encourage that if you're dealing with a fussy baby and you're finding yourself to be dealing with postpartum depression or anxiety, try singing, try talking, try just doing you know, bad time with them, all things that can really, really help your mood, which can in turn help baby's mood. And I talk about this, again, in caring for your baby in the fourth trimester, which because I think it's extremely important. A crying baby impacts us sig- significantly, and we cannot deny the stress that this causes, okay? And when I speak about the psychology of a fussy infant, I'm, I talk about some strategies to reset yourself as parents when dealing with the crying infant. So if you've done your checklist, right, if you've gone through what I said, you've done all of that, and they're still crying, I want you to leave the baby alone for 10 minutes in a safe spot, which means on their back in a bassinet or a crib with no bumper, stuffed animals, blankets, any of that. Okay. I recommend this because calming a baby who doesn't calm is very stressful and can cause the caretaker to get nervous, which like I said, there's that feedback mechanism and baby's going to continue to cry. Babies 100% sense this. Okay imagine like in a newborn nursery if you've seen like movies one baby cries all the others begin to cry so there is some sort of like empathy that happens in newborns that if mom and if mom is feeling so overwhelmed that baby feels it too and i you cannot deny that they sense these emotions so we need to calm ourselves and be able to reset the situation right and by the way this is very similar to when your toddler throws a tantrum. If you all of a sudden react and try to stop the crying immediately, right? It can cause them to kind of have that feedback because you're not calm. You have to calm yourself before you deal with any baby, newborn, toddler who's upset. Check your emotions before you do anything. So put them on their back just for, you know, make sure it's safe. Make sure the room is dim. Go get a glass of water. Go cry, yell, scream, whatever you need to do. Go outside and reset yourself. Come back after 10 minutes until, or as, however long you need, just make sure, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes max. Make sure you are ready to tackle that baby and ready to handle all that crying, okay? Because if you're still upset, it's not gonna help. When you go back, if baby's calm, awesome. But there's a chance that baby will still be fussing. And then you go through your checklist again. You go through any other mechanism to try to help them calm. And they will calm down. If they're not calming down and you're concerned, call your doctor, okay? But remember that medical checklist I gave you. Another thing that can really help, and again, this goes back to the psychology of taking care of a fussy baby, you have to leave the house whenever you can. If you have someone who can help, your partner, your grandparent, nanny, I don't care, just leave the home for just 10 minutes. It doesn't have to be long. It's just you could go right outside. When you are taking care of a baby who's fussing 24 hours a day, day in and day out, the monotony, it really impacts your emotional well-being and you need to do something to just reset yourself. If you're not able to, right? Like if you're like I am many days, it's just me and Ryan and my husband's at home and some days he's fussy and I'll just take a moment, you know, I'll walk him to the window. I'll go down the hall, take the baby with you if you need to, right? But get out of the home if you can alone. You are there for your baby. I promise you, your baby's going to love you. I did this a lot after we recovered from our birth trauma. I took a lot of time for myself and I my little bub Ryan loves me so much. He's so connected to me. He looks at me with such admiration because I'm happy if that makes sense. So take time for yourself so that you can go back to taking care of your crying baby or non-crying baby. And also just the sun will help you if it's warm outside. Even if it's not warm, just getting out can really help. If you need to, like I said, leave the house with baby, go for a stroll, get some fresh air. It is 100% okay for you to go for a stroll with your newborn. Obviously, if your pediatrician recommends against that, that's fine. But walking is fine. You go to your doctor's office, which is filled with germs. I do not mind a family going around their neighborhood. Maybe avoiding crowded places, obviously, until the baby's a little older. But it can really help to just get outside. If you live near the beach, go to the beach. If you have access to a park, go to a park. Go visit a friend. You know, get out of the house if you can. The other thing is tell any family members, including grandparents, who keep bothering you about your crying baby to listen to this podcast. I know a lot of that crying talk comes from grandparents. Oh my gosh, why is he crying? You're not feeding him right. What's wrong? You're doing it wrong. He needs a diaper change. It is exhausting when you're doing everything you can. So remember that you are doing fine. You're doing everything okay. They are babies and they will cry. And sometimes they'll have those moments where you're trying to soothe them. You know, you're going through your checklist and it just doesn't happen. So assess their needs, have a plan for soothing and remind everyone else that you got this and remind yourself that you got this. Lastly, change the story you tell yourself and stop using the word colic or fussy. Why is that if you have a fussy baby and every time the baby fusses, it reinforces that your baby's a fussy baby. If you look at it as my baby's an awesome baby and a happy baby, and occasionally they fuss, you're changing the narrative. So you have to look at, it like, look at it like that. Now, that being said, if your baby's crying 24 hours a day, that's something is wrong and you need to see a pediatrician. But if you have moments where your baby's calm, remember the calm and tell yourself when your baby's crying, we're going to get through this. Because if you get into that cycle, oh my gosh, baby's crying, colic, colic, my baby's colicky. It, it doesn't serve any purpose and it really has a huge impact on your emotional well-being. I did this too. I, you know, when Ryan was about, like I said, four weeks old, he was crying like we were doing. We went through all the checklists. We were trying to get him to calm and I literally was sitting there staring at him crying and my husband came in and he was like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I can't get him to settle and I've tried everything. It's just not working today. And he, you know, he's like, take your moment. We, t- we did our 10 minute rule. And in that situation, Ryan stopped crying and, I needed to check myself. I needed to make sure that I wasn't getting agitated. And it happened to me too, right? And I kept saying, oh, he's so colicky. He's so colicky. And I I thought to myself, like, what am I doing? He's not colicky. It's okay to be fussy, right? Stop putting the label on because if you put the label on, something's wrong. And if your baby is fussy 24 hours a day, you need to see your pediatrician, right? If they're not making wet diapers, if they're having bloody poops, if they have a fever, right? But If everything else is going okay, baby's gaining weight, there's, you know, making wet diapers, monitor, right? Remember that this fuss does get better. Change the narrative, change the story you tell yourself, and remember that you are doing a good job. Many, many parents go through this phase, and if you can digest this information that I told you in this episode and really apply it, I really think that you will change how you approach a fussy baby. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. As always, leave a review. Follow me on Instagram at PedsDocTalk if you're not already. Share this episode on any of your social media channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever it may be. I love doing this for you guys. Until next time, have a great day.